I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Hugo Monnier, and this is a Rugby Tonight special podcast ahead of this weekend's Aviva Premiership semifinals. It's special because we got an exclusive no-holds-barred interview with Danny Cipriani in the run-up to Wasp's game against Saracens. It was probably the most fascinating interview I've ever done. I mean, Danny is someone who everyone seems to have an opinion on, and we spoke about everything from childhood to girlfriends, Ferraris and mental health issues. Hopefully, it's a great listen for all sports fans. Here we go. So, Danny, it's semi-finals week. Wasps, as a team, find themselves once again in a familiar position, but you playing the best rugby, I think, of your career. What do you put it down to? Um, just uh, a message I had when I was 24, 25 with, with Blackie that he would uh, instill in me. Steve Black, right? Steve Black, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was a, a thing called Kaizen, which is a, an everyday improvement um, mentality, phys- physically, um, tactically, whatever you're trying to do is just these small improvements. and. That is what I've really tried to focus on is every day just trying to improve or, or, or learn or get better in certain aspects. And, and I'd say over time it's built up and <clears throat> then you get to see uh, the fruits of kind of what you've been doing. And I guess it stems from playing at sale and a lot on the back foot and having to win games in that way. And then going to Wasp, having a team full of superstars playing on the front foot and just trying to combine it all. And then, you know, just try and do whatever I can, which is best for the team. You mentioned Steve Black and his Kaizen philosophy and taking those little steps, but I guess if that message was displayed to you at 24, how come we're seeing the fruits of labour now at 30 where you're getting recognised Viva Premiership Player of the Year, people talking about you as the best attacking 10 in the Premiership and now on a tour to England? Why is it taking so long? Because I think with sport, there's, there's, uh, there's obviously interpretation, there's perception, there's all sorts of things that that come into it. I'm not doing too dissimilar this year to what I did last year when we finished top, but sometimes if you're flavour of the month, you are, and that's great. And it's like, you can have those times when you're up, and I ha- I've had that, I had it for the first three years of my career, and it was it was amazing. You ride the wave, everything's like, yeah, this, and you start, you start getting into it, and then you start, you gotta realise as you get older, you're gonna have those moments, you're gonna have people doubting you, but you just need to try and keep an even kill of, of exactly who you are, where you are, and where you're going. You mentioned Flavor of the Month, you had a little smile on your face. Do you not always feel as if you've been Flavor of the Month? Um, it's, it's been, as in this season, I've had a lot of that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you have, it's yeah. been, And it's been, it's been nice to hear that, and it's been, it's, it's been great, and I, I appreciate that, you appreciate those moments, but you can't get, um, you can't get caught up in, in, that, in, in the ups and the downs, because otherwise it is a constant roller coaster. everything you're doing. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that, but you know I know a time when it's not like that. So it's just making sure that I stick to my everyday message of how I, how I react, how I behave, how I show respect, how I train, how I play, and just consistently keep doing that. Do you think your everyday message to yourself has been able to block out the outside message and influence from other people, the media, what people, what people write and say about you? I think it's probably physically it is impossible to be able to block out completely outside. It can definitely help guide, um, it can definitely help. It, it's tough obviously when you've got 
a caricature that the media have been building up since 18, 19, what 20 years old. Um, just the, the perception of what they've tried to build me, you know, I guess more... What do you think that perception is? Just the, the playboy or whatever they might say and this and doesn't really care about his sport and this and that, whatever it might have been when I was younger. Whereas throughout that whole time, I was still paying for my own training, paying for my own fit, doing everything I had to do. But it was just, it kind of added to the story. I, you then find it easy then to play into a character and you end up doing things and that are not what you want to be doing. It's against your, your own... Um, your morals and what you thought, and you end up just playing into it. And what do you think those moments where you say playing into that caricature? Can you pin down moments? I, just, or I think you just get carefree. You just get, um, you know, you like to think that everything's normal, but you can't make the certain mistakes, and they get looked at and viewed at in a certain way, and and mistakes are looked at as such a bad thing, and it's like. I want my message to be when I finish that mistakes aren't bad. It's how you react from it. It's how you learn from it. It's how you grow from it. It's how you can keep moving on. Because the only way for learning is to keep making mistakes. Um, you can keep winning and it can be great, but then there'll come a time when it does hit you, then you've got to react. That's kind of what happened with me. It was like the first couple of years, it was, it was just everything was, was coming. Then it came on top of me, then it just felt like a ton of bricks. So f for me, it's like to understand making mistakes isn't such a bad thing because that's how you grow, that's the only way for development, that's the only area to step into, to actually find something new and, and, and to challenge yourself. And I guess it's making me the best version of who I am now, but that doesn't mean it's who I am in a week or two, it's something to keep trying to improve that. Are you happy for the mistakes you've made if it's turned you into the best version of you now, or are there any mistakes you made in your early days that you regret? Um, it's obviously things that, I, I wish hadn't happened or things that had done, but it's like you look at the past, it's never actually anything which has been something terrible. It's just been things that have just built up and the media have decided to make into a big deal about that and try and find out and try and, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of situations that where I've had people sitting outside some house for two, for two years straight, like when I was living by myself and it's like following my every move and things like that. It's just, it's bizarre, but... Why do you think there's an obsession with you? I think it's because my name sounds glamorous. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If my name was Danny Smith, I reckon. <laughs> Not Smith, but as in, like, you know, just a, a traditional name or, a, you know. You reckon it's just the name? I don't know. No, it, it, I had it when I, was, when I was 16. I had, like, um, a massive double-page spread in the Times. I was like, what is, like, talking about how this guy is going to be the future of English rugby and you start believing it. Did you believe it? No, I didn't believe it. I was excited. I didn't even know I was going to be professional until I got offered a contract a year later. It was, it was just all fine to hear and you just keep moving on and, and, and whatever. Um, Must have been cool, like, hearing those things, though, and I'm sure your friends who are 16 who are probably just getting their juicy season on a bit of a work experience. Yeah, it, it was, it was, but about. it was like, everything's deeper rooted than that, isn't it? It's like, those outside voices, they can't really ever change how you feel about yourself or what you feel. It's, it's the inside voice, the conversations you have with yourself, the, the, the recognition you get from the people you love and you care about. And if you're not getting that, it's how do you instill that? Um, and, you know, that's something that I had to develop. And I got it from a lot of coaches when I was younger and some I didn't. And I didn't quite react in the same fashion and in, in the same manner. And I understand that now. It, it, you know, it's not like in the last two years I've had my arm put around me and I've had exactly what I need in a coaching environment, but I've done everything I can to make it the best and make it work. Um, we get on well and we have a, a, a very good relationship in that way. But, you know, you have to make whatever is in front of you the best way you can. Um, and Steve helped me, Steve Black helped me learn that a lot, um, exactly what's going on. You mentioned some of the coaches have had big influence on in your career. Whenever I read an article about you, you always mention Brian Ashton and the influence he had on you. Um, what was it about Brian, his personality, his coaching philosophy, which you really wanted, which you really enjoyed? I, I love the fact that when Brian would, you know, we used to do a lot of classroom sessions. It was National Academy. We were, I was 15. Everyone else was like 18. It was like Haskell's at a year and Tom Reese and, and, and that. And then moving into the, the age group. So I was there for three years every summer. We'd have classroom sessions and, you know, we'd, we'd analyse and video what we'd been doing on the training field. And he'd put on the training field, like, ludicrous 
defences to break down, just things that you just didn't think you could do. And you'd watch it and <clears throat> you'd get traditional rugby answers. You need to get over the game line. You need to do this and win this. And without any real purpose of actually understanding what's going on. So for me, it was... Um, Brian would always open end the question so you'd have to find the answers. And we'd have conversations. We might come up with crazy ways to break it down. It might not be right. It might be completely wrong. But it, it helped us thinking and, and evolving. And then we'd go and do drills on the field where you're having to think for yourself. And that straight away, it was just playing into my mind. And, and that was make, feeding my brain. And that's why my relationship with him is so good. Because it was, he was constantly challenging me in that fashion to like keep getting better, keep improving. Um, and if we did it completely wrong, eventually he'd step in and say, have you thought about this? But he was trying to get us to answer the questions because on the field, we are the ones that are going to have to answer the questions. So that was Brian back then. Yeah. Current England coach, Eddie Jones. Do you see many similarities of, with Brian Ashton or how do you view Eddie Jones' coaching philosophy? How do you think he's going to challenge you? Yeah, I think um, having read a lot of... Um, there's, a, there's a coaching guru on, on Twitter that I, I follow and they follow a lot of top-class coaches from Pep Guardiola. And, What's his name? Um, it's like the training guru dot something. I'm not sure what it is. I, I find it. His name's Simon Austin. He, does, he runs it. Um, so I've seen Eddie's done quite a few interviews with them and you see what he said and his messages and I think... There is a lot of similarities in that he wants players to think for themselves and make their decisions. Um, and, you know, I think obviously f f for me now, I feel very fortunate and grateful to be involved in, in the England team right now. Maybe before wasn't my time. Maybe now is not my time. I don't know. Like, I'm going to go there and do everything I can to make sure I get an opportunity and, you know, do, do whatever I can to have a positive influence on the team. It's been a great couple of weeks for you, named in the England squad. Uh, nominated for Aviva Premiership Player of the Season and a big move to Gloucester. Um, it's all come at once for you, right? Yeah, it has. I guess that's kind of what it ended up waiting for, you know, the, the end of the season. Um, being a, in between, stuck in a, a rock and a hard place, you know, waiting to find out what's going on, where I'm going to move. And, and which decision came first? Was it the club or waiting for an England call? Well, look, I was having the conversation with Gloucester and a few other Premiership clubs. Um, Looking abroad at all? Yeah, I'd spoke to, uh, you know, that was kind of, they knew where I was at. It got to the point of the season where I said, I've got to wait till this date. And then once that's done, then... So was that date the announcement of the tour to South Africa? Yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily mean if I wasn't in the squad, I definitely was leaving. They'd get a much clearer answer for me in that situation because... I do love the Premiership, I do love playing in it. I think it is, you know, the attrition and, and the challenge of it every week. Next, week, next season's going to be tougher than any season that I think has ever been involved in a Premiership with every team that's going to, you know, improve, especially Gloucester. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, no, obviously, they're great already. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying but you're just the, gonna take the signings, not me, <laughs> the signings that they've made. Yako <laughs> Krill, YouTube him, he's a monster. I've, I've watched him. Like He's a joke player. Some of the players they've signed, the players they've already got, Ludlow, Morgan, like you can go on. Like that squad is, like I'm, I'm very excited about that move. Well, you said you're excited. In fact, you said um, this is the most exciting challenge of your career. No, it's my most exciting move. I felt. You're, you this said most, it's I, the most, most excited exciting... I felt moving somewhere. So in terms of when I left Wasps, I was excited about Melbourne. It was going to be great, but I wasn't passionate about doing it. Moving to sail, it was going into new waters. It, that was very exciting for me because it was going to be a new challenge. I learned a lot in that environment and I'm extremely grateful for that. And in going to Wasps, I was buzzing to go back. You know, it was... It well, was, not as buzzing to go to Gloucester. I think right now where I'm at in my stage, everything's got to be bigger and better and greater when you're doing it the next, isn't it? Otherwise, you're all, always going to be living in the past. I truly feel this next move is going to be bigger, better and greater for me because... I'm going to get the best out of myself in these next two, three years. So you're up for Viva Premiership Player of the Season. Um, I think you're England's best attacking 10 this year as well. You're age 30. Often people say, want to was, always a was. So why do you think the door's open to you to leave? Um, Honestly. The door was open... Because you speak so many... I mean, you're playing unbelievable rugby. You know, you're playing the best rugby 
was in a final last year, a semi-final this this weekend, yeah, and you're off. And maybe not so much in your terms. Why do you think Wasp were happy to let I you feel, go? I feel like it was probably um, difficult for them to be waiting for so long um, because we'd, we had those conversations early in November, December to be waiting for me to make a decision. And them having to wait, you know, they probably felt like they had to have something secure. Dai might not have trusted the fact that I would have turned around and been fine, you know. He probably wasn't open and coming down and saying, look, we want you to be our number one and do this because Should that's we, just... Would it have changed your decision if he'd come and had a chat with you and yeah, said... perhaps it might have, um, you know, probably, but that's just not how it panned out. That's just what he felt. Are and you disappointed then how it panned out? Uh, I'm not disappointed because I'm excited about the next challenge, yeah. but it's going to be tough leaving this group of boys and we have a massive challenge ahead of us in the semi-final and, and, and then... You know, and and the game after, if, you know, in the way we play and perform in that to go and win. What what I'm going to find um, tough is that those friendships, those things you've built in those two years, like you're going to have to go and do that again. It is difficult, obviously, not staying at Wasp, but I mean, that's, that's the nature of the sport. That's the nature of business. He feels. Not really answer the question though. In in what way? So, like, why do you think Wasp were? happy to, to let you go and potentially be playing at a club which would be challenging for honours at the end of the season. But we're talking about six months difference here, like five months. So for them, they felt to go a different direction because maybe I said I was unsure of where I want to go and what I want to do right now. I was asking for more time and in that time they didn't feel like they could wait. They, you know, Dai's comment was a world-class five came about so he went to sign him. I don't hold any begrudges on that. Okay, fair enough. Um, Danny, we're going to reflect a little bit. I mean, you've been spoken about and written about a lot. And um, Are we going to pull out now? So, so I, I've just got a load of words. Do I have a pass as well? Do you have a pass? As in, can I pass some, <laughs> what you're going to say? Um, potentially. I mean, we can play this exactly how you want to play it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy for that. But these are, these are a load of words which have been used to describe you over... I think probably in your earlier part of your year, I want you to have a look at some of these. Tell me if you think they're fair, maybe pick up a couple. Um, tell us if you think they're fair, if you think they're accurate and how it makes you feel when you look at some of that. <laughs> I feel like I'm at school. But you spoke about Brian Ashton in those classroom sessions, so this is kind of it. This ain't fun though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll talk about all the good um, stuff in a second. So I think misunderstood probably have been from from being a kid. That's my own thing and, and understanding of who I am. You know, growing up with white skin, a black father, I'm, I don't know where what side I fit into or what I'm doing. And it's trying to find your way in life. So then everywhere you go, it's like it's completely different. Like the entire side of my family is black and... My mum, who's obviously a legend, is there for me. Um, so that was a confusion straight away for me growing up, something that I probably didn't realise until you look back on. Yeah. Because, you know, I look at my different groups of friends and it I've was I've met like, your mum and your dad. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah of course. And, and, I mean, you'd get accepted in one and not the other. It was just a unique thing. It's a, it was a situation. So that probably gave me a bit of a misunderstanding from a young age. More but in a professional sense, because there seems to be a lot of people that have misunderstood you. Yeah, because I think it's, like I said, that caricature which they've wanted to build up and, and, and go and this this uh, Lafario or whatever they want to say and, and how they say it. Is that um, completely wrong then? What do you mean, me being misunderstood? Yeah. I've, no, I feel like I am misunderstood, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about celebrity, Danny? Yeah. Because um, not everyone's interested in what Owen Fowles wearing on a Saturday night or who his girlfriend is, but they want to know who you're dating, where you're hanging I out. I guess that's the, the world I entered into by who I went out with, but it started before that. It was like, for example, the Premiership Awards is tonight, Wednesday, right? <clears throat> I've been told I have to go. Starts at 730 we're not getting away till 11. We've been told we have to go. I got dropped for leaving somewhere at 11.30 on the same night, which is a Wednesday, and I'm playing Saturday, but I have to go tonight. So 
That was you when it all about started. The incident when I got dropped from yeah. Handed the tickets China Whites to a friend of yours for international. Yeah, it, it was it wasn't China Whites, but it was a place that I, so I've gone in. I've left at eleven thirty. Photos on a Wednesday. Home for twelve. Day off on the Thursday. And, I, and tonight, I, I've been told I have to go to dinner. I just find it quite ironic that I'm in this situation <laughs> now that ten years apart. That's the difference of of where it is, and I guess it's kind of, that's where it stemmed from when it started. Um, but there's a bit of truth in that. I mean, I've known yeah, you from the, from the from Yeah, from the women that I've dated, they've definitely been, some of them have been in that circle, but... But then also, Dan, like, when you passed your driving test, like, you know some great people. Mm. And you was driving a Ferrari, like, at 18... But see, <laughs> once again, that story has been completely chucked out. No, that's not a story wrong. I'm making up, that's just me no, knowing no, no, you. No, not, not being made up. I broke my ankle, I'm going to put this story out there because Lewis Moody got a few sentences in his book about me for it. So okay. I broke my ankle. Um, a, a, a good friend of mine said, as soon as you start running again, I'm going to let you have my car for a month. Okay. At 20 years old, I was like, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I was going to do all that stuff. So as soon as I ran, I broke down in tears. He delivered it the next day. That is a very fortunate position to be in. I agree that. How can you berate some kid who wants to drive that? But the way it was looked at was some huge negative. But once again, there's a story behind that. Yeah. But I um, feel you. Rugby's a very inclusive sport, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, genders, sexuality, very. religion. Yeah. Do you think they're as accepting of different personalities as what they should be? Um, I, I just think it's a British thing, isn't it? It's uh, accepting of different personalities, different classes, different everything into it. I think when it comes down to the straight facts of, you know, like you say, being very inclusive, rugby is definitely like that, but there's areas that we can all improve and, and open our, our minds to um, for, for, for all of that. What about any of these others? Uh, probably the touch on like self-destructive, because I feel like there's been times when things have been going great and then something has happened and Sometimes it's been of my doing, sometimes it's been the media trying to dig and do what they do. Um, not not the, the writers and the rugby side of it, of course, but I mean, that's a human nature. It's like when things are going well and, and great, that's a human nature to then want to self-destruct. And it's about trying to just, like I've said, in, you know, stay in that even keel where you're not ro ro riding the roller coaster up and down. So. You know, if you stay at that level, then you're never ever going to find a point where you feel like you need to self-destruct in that. How do you think it manifested itself in, in that self-destruct mode? What are you talking about? Like, is it drinking, going out, just not caring? Yeah, maybe it's an, not being aware of my situation and going out. Or, um, or when I was in Australia, there was like a drinking thing or whatever it might be and it would be a way to try and release and it's like then you get pigeonholed and labelled oh this guy is trouble doing that but a lot of it was just me trying to release and trying to come out of it because I was going through a difficult period mentally in those years for, how, do, how do you mean? like I was I was I was seeing a psychiatrist like I was clinically depressed for like 23 to 23 and a half man I had a long time of it um what triggered that? It was the overwhelming feeling of the media on top of me over and over again. I'd walk down the street, people would look at me and, you know, people now might think it sounds silly, but in the height of it, it was like everything, they were just talking about me on the front, the back, whatever it was. Sometimes it was warranted, sometimes it wasn't. Um, and I'd always think, What's, what are they saying about me? Like, what are they thinking? And it to was- become paranoid. I, to a certain degree, but I mean, it was more. You just your self worth then just goes down, and then you end up making mistakes and trying to release and drinking this and that, and you know that's not in my nature to really want to do, and that's why that self destructive side of things it comes with that success, it comes with something, and it's trying to keep that even keel of, of what you're doing. Because. No, I, I agree with it. I didn't realise that you were seeing a psychiatrist and suffering depression. I don't think many people would. They would just... I think with lots of guys, you've got to scratch the surface to really get to understand that. But, mate, on a level, just talking to you now, like, there's been moments where you frustrated me because I know your talent. I think everyone sees your talent. I, I played against you in my very last game, England Barbars. You were man the match that game, right? Yeah. 
unbelievable. And then that night, like drink driving, and it's a case where you had an opportunity to get back into the squads and do something, and then then this big word like mm. played a massive part in it. Do, do you understand the completely, frustration? Completely, completely. And I don't think I ever really did have a tune to get back into that squad, but I know what you mean. But in that situation, I felt like I had ticked the box, done anything right. I left my car somewhere, had a couple of drinks, stayed at my mates, went back to my car in the morning, and then, you know, it's, it's the morning after, after five, six hours sleep or whatever it may have been, going to the airport, but it just didn't, just ended up working out that way. And what a it's lesson annoying. for me to learn from. It was it's so annoying. It was annoying, like, like, as your mate, because, man, I'm retired from the game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you're a long time retired, and the opportunity with you and, you know, I commentate on rugby every single weekend, the opportunity you guys have is just an incredible one. And I was so frustrated, like, playing in that game with you that day, seeing you carve up. I mean, I was playing for Barbarians. We weren't maybe in the same mindset as you guys, but absolutely carving up to then see... It had been laid with an element of negativity because I just thought, just as you were getting yourself back in, like that was that was annoying. It must be it must be frustrating for for your mother as well because she's a big role model in your life. I mean, what has she had to say to you about some of those moments? Yeah, obviously she was like disappointed that happened, but like, you know, what what a lesson for for me to learn in terms yeah. of like the the day after when you think you're fine. It's like you know how many times have people get done on that? And I was on the way to the airport and you just felt fine. So yeah. it, was, it was just obviously frustrating. Um, I should have been more um, disciplined in that side of it. And, you know, it was, it was something which, it was, it was tough to go through because of the ramifications that it had. And it's not like it had massive ramifications because you know there's other players that have made mistakes and done things like that, but it was because it was me. It was like you feel like it, it's all on you, and and um, yeah, that's the one thing that in my moral compass I'm very disappointed with, you know, in myself to to allow that to be another excuse or an excuse. But you know, can't look at that lightly at all. But I'm human. People make mistakes. I'm gonna keep going on. Um, making mistakes and hopefully they'll get smaller and smaller and you know and hopefully the only mistake will be burning my toast so <laughs> can, can I touch on depression with you yeah you can yeah um how difficult a period in your life was that um yeah it was difficult because I you know you knew me before I was going through that when I was away it was like I've always been that fun happy yeah. just living life taking every day as it is, I probably wasn't in the moment very much and I was just letting life roll as it was. Um, and to be able to, the way I described it, it was like to be able to not see a future, not to see a tomorrow, like that was difficult because it was like you were constantly chasing for it. Um, and going through that experience and having it for, for, for that amount of time, you know, it. Uh, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about having to go deeper and, you know, and there's so many moments in life that humble you, that you need to keep being humble, keep being reminded. You know, it was like, <clears throat> it's like when I got injured early in this season, I did my MCL, started the season so well, felt great. And it was like another reminder of just stay humble of, of what you're doing. And it's, you do come out of depression, but you still need to keep working on your minds and it's how you view things. It's just a change of concept, a change of interpretation on a lot of things. And for me, that's that's what helped. And yeah, I feel I feel grateful to have been able to go through it and be where I am now. Um, so is it still a constant battle with you? No, it's not a constant battle because I've been in a very good place for a long time now. Yeah, I'd say you know six, seven years. Um, and meeting someone like Steve Black helped because he helped me figure out the thoughts and the way my brain was being processed and to direct it in in a great way because everyone is different and you know people just need to ease off the gas a bit when it comes to judging and criticizing like kids or other people i'm not even talking about myself i'm i can deal with it you know i can deal with pressure it's fine i'm just talking about how we treat other humans and how we behave in that i think you know 
there's a lot of change and, and compassion and empathy that could be brought into things. Trouble, I probably could be viewed as trouble sometimes, you know, I think. <laughs> but I mean, the, the only times that it would have been, it, it, it's a cause and effect and it's, and it's a reaction, you know, like, Sean Edwards wanted me to, to lead in a certain manner. He wanted me to be on top of people, telling people about, if they're not doing this right, keep doing that, you know. You hear about the two different styles of, of leaders. <clears throat> I'm not saying I'm in any way, shape or form like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, but you hear about Kobe Bryant, he's on top of people, telling them, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, da 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 LeBron, much more calm, relaxed. I, he wanted me to do that. So some players and some coaches further on just probably didn't react as well to that. And that's where then coaches might say I'm trouble or they want it, they don't want to have a conversation about something. This is more when I was younger. These are just things that are coming into my head yeah. that I found. Um, so who are you, Kobe or LeBron? <laughs> neither, man. I, I, <laughs> but from a leadership But, but from a leadership point of view, I, you, you, you like to try and go in between both types of okay. styles of, of, of leading and, and from that, w by being troubled, there's also the vulnerability that comes with it because of the nature of my upbringing and who I am and, you know, definitely have that, you know. I've, that's why when I'm in a rugby team, I love the concept of brotherhood. I love the concept of, of like, love and, 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 and everything to do with it because that fulfills me with a lot. Okay. Gonna clear some of these away, because this is the old Danny, okay? Yeah. This is dead, right? I wanna see these new cards. Is there okay. new cards coming out? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we do have some new cards. So that was, you talk about perception of reality. I think that's that's probably how a lot of people perceived you as being. Probably still do, but it is, that's the way it is. But these words have yeah. been used to describe you this year. You tell me, are they as true? is some of those last cards and how do you reflect when you see this? Is this the evolution of Danny Cipriani? Yeah. You're smiling, you're happy. I, do, I find it ironic, it's funny. Okay. It's because these same cards and these types of words I've, I've had said about me since I was a kid and it's... So which it, ones pop out at you? It depends who's been saying it. Um, this was actually just, just me, just minutes ago <laughs> no but I mean who's been saying or how they view me in that in that way determined I definitely um I definitely say you've that you've had to be though haven't you yeah I you've guess you've had to show some form of resilience you know? yeah well I, I think that's another message I want to I want to leave in you know in five six years when I decide to call it a day is it's that resilience it's that keep going it's that mistakes happen you have to go again um Selection, whatever it may be, injuries, and you know, it's how, it's how you look after yourself and come back from it. What other ones pop out at you? Um, natural, I like that one. I like to think I try, I've always tried to be myself, and that, that's something I can safely say. And you know, when I was told at 21 by Martin Johnson I wasn't going to figure in England's plans, it, it's because maybe there was a bit of a misunderstanding between us. Could I have handled it better? Probably could have. Could he have handled it better? Probably could have. But like now, if I see him or when I see him, it's like I'm grateful to see a legend of the game who I completely respect. And, you know, like I say, I, I like to think it might have just been a, a clash of different personalities at the time. I reckon almost every time that we've commentated on you, or say BT, not we, They've used these two words here to describe you, dazzling and X-factor. Um, do you think, I mean, you must be happy to see that. Would you consider yourself as those kind of players? Yeah, obviously, like, like you say, it's, it's great to hear those words. I, I try and just do what I can, what's best for the team in that moment. So, like, if that's an X-factor, that, that's how it's described that, then that's how it's described that. But you must think you've got X-factor. I feel like I'm very good at making the right decision at the right time. How do you? Because I can talk technically about shoulder square, hip square to line, ball in two hands, but when you see a full defensive line yeah. and you've got options, how do you make that right decision under that amount of pressure with very little time? But you mentioned hip square, two hands on the ball, like 
that has come from hours as a kid with Sean Edwards after training, working on that, on the two posts. I'd be on the left of one side of posts. He'd throw me the ball, make sure I'm doing it, get to that cone, hit the first post or the second post, or run hours of repetition. So yeah, that natural side of things, fortunate to have some gift in that, but came from hours of work to be able to do that. And I guess when it comes to the defense side of things, it's you're putting yourself in that position a lot and you need to, you want to you bust the line on every single play. Every single play, you want to try and make a clean break, but it's not accurate because that's not always going to be the case. So sometimes you just got to weigh up, how can I manipulate this defense to get keep them thinking for the next time I'm at the line? So if, it is, is the, if the line is full and I've gone to the line and suddenly I've played that play, I need that defender in that, that area thinking, all right, he's going to kind of do that again, you know, and you're trying to lure them into a way of playing and thinking. So then I know next time I go to the line, I can already tell by his body language I've, I've got him. And that's the thing for me. It's the defenders I look at around me is the guy in front of me and then the two outside of it, you know, and then I've been able to try and lock them up as best I can. And I've had world-class players like Willie LaRue do what he's done this season. So you're more so looking at defenders than looking at your attackers because you trust they're in place. So you're just trying to pick up on cues and body languages and angles of defenders to predetermine what you're then going to do based on what defence doing rather than attack. We're actually trying to make the defence make the move and we're then and then I'm making the decision on that. So it's it, we spend hours in training to make sure we're in the right place at the right time. So by doing that, I'm we're manipulating that defender to turn in. If he's turned in, I know that ball across is on. And it's last second decisions and those are the things that you know I feel fortunate to be able to, to read and do and that comes from playing lots of sports but um, it's a different conversation but I mean we're actually trying to make them make those decisions and if they don't we know exactly what we can go to as well um, and it's just putting yourself in that heat of the battle over and over again to be able to do it. You mentioned hours of practice, um, you're a guy I know who works very hard but you've been spending a fair amount of time with Johnny Wilkinson the last few weeks as well on your kicking. What kind of relationship do you have with him? Yeah, I'm, I completely respect um, everything about him and who, who he is. Not only the kicking, how he helps, you know, my mind and how we talk about things. You know, obviously he's worked with Blackie for years as well, Steve Black. Um, he's very intelligent and completely changes my view and perspective on lots of different things at different times and it completely helps me so I'm very grateful for, for that relationship. Do you think he helps you more mentally more so than skill-wise? Uh, it's definitely skill-wise as well because he's so good at his job but everything that we're doing skill-wise has an underlying factor of a purpose behind it, why we're doing it and what we're doing and it all went all into into lines into everything. Okay, I'm gonna strip these cards away. Last bit of this classroom exercise, if you wanna call it that. So we've heard lots of words, opinions of people that have either played the game, watched the game, but everyone's got an opinion on you. Are these my own opinions of myself? Yeah, where's, where's, where's Danny right now? How would you describe yourself? Um, Right now, I'd say empathetic. I'd say empathy, I'd just put empathy down. Stick that down here. Um, Is that from just the journey that you've been on? Just the journey I've been on, but that's how I like to try and treat other human beings. Um, and I think if you have an organisation run with the thought process of being empathetic from the top to the bottom, you're going to get a better result from everything. You know, everything, how you are, you make people feel included, everyone, you're going to get much better results in everything that you're doing. Okay. Um, what else? This is a hard subject. I think I'd fail at this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would you describe me? Uh, <clears throat> meticulous, but then I'd spell it. <laughs> I'd say hardworking. Okay, go, go hardworking, yeah. Okay, so we've got one word to describe your character, one to describe your 
approach to rugby? I'd still say misunderstood because I'm still learning on how to get everything that I need and how. I really want to pin this down because... Let's pin it down. You point out the word natural and you are like so naturally gifted, way more natural talent, just way more talent than I ever had. But I look at your international career and mine and we're both sat on 14 caps and you're described as a once in a generation kind of player. So I kind of think, scratch my head, I think, I probably never, no, not probably, I never had those words used to describe me. So how come we've got the same amount of international caps? Because I think at the moment, uh, in that moment, it all depends on on so many different factors. Um, could I have changed a certain way to make sure I was in alignment with Jono and what he wanted? Yeah, I wouldn't have been true to myself. I wouldn't have been able to have the freedom and, and, and the ability to be myself in that situation. To gain a few more caps, I don't know. Um, but there, I just didn't get picked. And with Stuart Lancaster, you know, I, I, I gave it everything I could. I was at sale and I worked my way into the squad and I had moments off the bench, you know. It, one of my favourite games I've played in is that pre-World Cup game away in France. Like, I, I, there was this, the build-up to that in my head, it was sensational. It should have been a story because like, I was imagining so many things. I spoke to this lady who was so spiritual and she was telling me to connect to this and connect to that and like, I just felt like unstoppable that night. If I could bottle that feeling and have it every game, it'd be amazing. But anyway, it's a different story. But I mean, I just didn't get picked in that situation for, for that. It doesn't mean that I'm not good enough. It doesn't mean that I'm any less or more of a person to get picked or not. And it is amazing. Like all I've ever wanted to do is play for England. You, you know that, um, anyone around me knows that. But I mean, it's just, if, if you focus your message on how can I get better every single day and what you're doing in, in the little ways, in small parts, if you can keep doing that, then everything around it is just going to fall into place. And maybe the time of us having the same amount of caps and me not getting capped for however long and not having a start in 10 years has culminated to now. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's another lesson for me to learn. I don't know. But I'm going to go and give it my best shot. Everything I've got to be able to represent my country again. And I hope that's good enough. And if it's not, I'll learn from it. Because I tried to give you a helping hand in your international career, didn't I? <laughs> well, it was kind of like a one-two, one-two. <laughs> <laughs> one-two, one-two. Did a bit of work to get to that Yeah, point. he did do a bit of work. Um, he gave me my first try, is what he's trying to say. No, well, what, I mean, you he said it. He it every just... year on the same date. <laughs> <laughs> It was a good moment. It was. Uh, it was actually fun. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the creator. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. <sighs> anyway, let's get back to you. Misunderstood. Um, actually, whilst we're on this, because people always talk from a team perspective, you have to lose a final to win a final. So from a personal level, how many finals do you reckon you've mentally had to lose um, to get to where you are now? It's a good question. I guess I've never viewed it, I guess, as a final in my head because, I don't know, but I mean, that's, that's a very good question. I think it's been a definite process to keep learning and to keep understanding about who I am, where I'm going and what I'm trying to do. And I keep going back to the same messages of work-wise, continually improving, continual, continually keep reading, keep listening to podcasts, keep trying to learn because it's stuff that I really enjoy doing. You know, at school, I didn't really enjoy doing, doing so you know, what, work. So what do you listen to? Uh, listen to Tony Robbins yesterday on the way down, um, listening to Obstacles, is the, um, Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday um, over the last couple of weeks. And it's just like messages and just things that you can connect to or not about how to overcome this or how do you view about this situation. Some things are spiritual, some things you can learn from and keep expanding your mind and that's, exactly what I keep trying to do because Blackie's put that into me and I, um, I, I loved it. I love that type of that type of learning. Let's go back to this. Empathy, hard work and misunderstood. Is there anything else you'd use to describe you? Because we've um, seen a lot of words used to describe you from the outside. You've only got three to describe yourself. Okay. Give me some time, man. 
any time you want. Good dancer? No? Track it down, I've seen you move. <laughs> <laughs> Would you back it up or not? Okay. <laughs> okay. What would I say? Could be anything. Could be your headspace. Could be your personality on or off the pitch. Perception. Um, style of play. Style of play. Um, confrontational. Unconfrontational. Because we spoke a lot about you as a player in attack. A lot of debate about you in defence. Do you think you're a good defender? Yeah, I do. I've had this debate my whole career. I think, you know, um, confrontational is how I like to play. In terms of what I'm saying about confrontational, just to touch on that, I'll come back to your question, but I mean, it's how you play. So it's making defences keep guessing. It's being on top of teams. It's if the space is over there, we kick it there. You're going to have to deal with that. It's not necessarily a confrontation in terms of a fight, but I mean, if the space is through the middle, we're on top of you playing, that. it feels like you're being suffocated, that okay. feeling which of the confrontational. Yeah. But in terms of um, do I feel like I'm a good defender? Yeah, I do. Um, I have lapses of concentration. Um, Why? Because you don't in attack ever. You always make the right decision. You're always on top of teams. Because I overread what... I always think what I would do on the ball. So as someone comes to the line, I'm thinking I can see three options. I'm like, da -da -da. rather than, okay, it's just going to be this. But in terms of like front on missed tackles, like there's not really many you could find. Um, it would just be not setting quick enough or things like that. But, you know, I remember working so hard with Sean on my defence, my last man of attack as a fullback and the amount of try savers that over my career I've done because of the amount of work we did. We did different types, people coming at me the line having to get under them. He used to call it a Cumberland throw, so they come, you tap behind it, you roll them over, put them in, like, I've done, I've had to do so many of those things. Um, so in terms of that, I feel very, very, and, and, and physically and, you know, when it's those big games, those big moments, it's like, it's about embracing that and that physicality. I was, I was in the top two tacklers for three years in a row at Sale. Tommy Taylor was top because he makes an obscene amount of tackles. <laughs> but I mean, and there's still questions over it. It's always going to be questions. It's fine. It's like... Is that the perception thing again? Uh, but there has definitely been times when I probably have missed a tackle. And I've probably been a bit lazy because in my head I'm thinking we're going to get another try in a minute. So it's OK. <laughs> No, but I, no, no, but I'm not... No, I get... I'm not, I'm not saying that from a, a cocky or a cocky. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was just... That might have been how you were feeling at the time, but I know the respect and, and, and the pay that is on defence. Like, that was, you know, I used to defend in 13 channels, Sean. That was something I had to learn, and, and I loved that. You know, that blitz, the first type of generation of yeah. doing that blitz. Um, and physically, loved the challenge, you know. One on one, I back myself to take anyone down in. Apart from maybe Bishop Napolo, I might need help with that. Well, I wouldn't overthink it if he's running straight. At you this no, 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 no. See, I'm talking about ball players. Of course, but I'm, I'm saying if he's a forward, you can just sit down. But <laughs> yeah. you know, might need a bit of help with Billy. But okay. Anything else you want to contribute or say about yourself? This is your time. This is my time. But yeah, I feel so under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's where you thrive. It's where you thrive. Um, okay, definitely not exam hall. Um, <laughs> I would like to say um, philosophical. Try to be. Try to um, live my life like that. It's hard because you're in such a demanding physical sport. Like. Um, it's times when I probably, you know, I probably stay unemotional. I probably let my emotions get the better of me sometimes. How do you mean? Because I'm not an emotional guy. Emotions can be displayed in so many different ways. Is it the type where you lose a game, you go home, you cry? Or is it in terms of you perhaps let the emotions take the better of you and that may blur your thinking? It's weird. I say emotional because it's only on the raining paddock. I find that. What do you mean? Like, so I find it... Because you said confrontational. I get, I get frustrated. You put those two together. Yeah. I'm not emotional in terms of if we, lo if we lose, I'm constantly, I'm then straight away, how, how do we get better? What do I, how could I have helped? 
how can I have done better in a situation? We win, it's kind of like my same thought process. Um, emotional in terms of, it's just frustrating sometimes if I was to make a mistake or it's just how I get the frustration out um, of me. So how do you? I'm a Scorpio as well. So like, I'm just, there is a bit more emotion inside <laughs> me. Like you laugh, but it's, you know. I don't believe in that stuff. So. Yeah, but some people do. And, you know, I've got some good friends of mine that say, you know, I feel things a bit more. I've, I've, I feel, you know, if someone's in a good mood, bad mood, whatever, if they're trying to hide it, you know, I, I'm trying to be in touch with that as best I can. So what um, would you get frustrated at training? Give us uh, a scenario. Like me making a mistake in, in those things, okay. or maybe I haven't explained something well enough, so we're not quite doing the right thing at the time, or um, just a lack of um, lack of care of what we're trying to do. I'm pretty detailed in what we, which we're trying to do, and I'm definitely working on that. But that has come from the the position I've been put in at Wasps. It was different at um, Sale. It was almost like I I really loved working with the younger guys at Sale because I learned a lot from them, and I'd like to think that I tried to show them as much as I can about lines and this and that, and it was a, it was a great understanding. Um, but you know. Dimes gave, basically gave me my, my head to do that, and that was his his co his uh, his leadership mentality. It hasn't been the same with Dye, so it's just for me to try and Does find out the way. You? That hasn't frustrated me. It's definitely been a challenge to learn and 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 understand. And he's a very successful man, so it's about trying to understand all different people's types of ways. There is not just a one way of doing things and. In, in my head, that's where you can get caught up and think, oh, my way is the right way. It's not, it's not necessarily like that. If you're open to thinking, maybe, maybe actually he's right there and things like that. And that's definitely what I've done over the time and I've enjoyed that to, to learn more, more in that environment. It sounds like at Cell you're given a freedom to lead and be that main guy. Eddie's been quoted as saying that he wouldn't have you in the squad unless you were the number one. So how would you feel and how do you think you'd react if you went out to South Africa and you weren't the starting 10, you had to be on the bench or you weren't even in the squad? It's, it's not about a title. It's not about being, for, for, for me, it's not about a title or for me to be number one or whatever, you know. But I, there I, is only 15 shirts and there's yeah, quite a large squad. So I don't think it's necessarily about titles. Surely it's just about being in the team, leading the team, or not being in the team. Yeah, and then you have to think, if you're not in the team, how can I best impact this team? And it's like, coming Was off... that a fair comment from Eddie? Uh, if that's his opinion of me, then that's a fair comment. But in terms of how, how do I come off the bench? Have, you know, I like to think I've got a good impact off the bench, and I'm not number one. I knew that whole World Cup. I knew in New Zealand I wasn't, you know, my impact's off the bench. I would like to think I can impact a team in the best way, shape possible off the bench. Is that necessarily where I want to be? No, no player wants to be there. But when you're in that position, you have to go and do the best you can. If I'm not in the 23, I can't be around sulking and, you know, it's tough because at Wasp, like, you play all year and there's a, there's a, you've got 25, 26 guys that are playing and then there's 10 or so that are not close to playing and then you see that it can emotionally get on top of some people when they're third choice, you know, then they're not involved. And it's how, how for 52 weeks do you stay mentally on it and on it? You're going out there as, as a country, as a test tour, months, eight weeks, 10 weeks, you, you can put it in for that, you know? And that's where you have to separate your individual feelings. As soon as the team's announced, bang, how can I help? How can I do this? What can you do? And that, that's how it has to be. Um, and that's the only way then you get a collective going for the same thing. Um, I might be wrong. I'm just saying what I feel on the situation. But in terms of coming off the bench, I'd like to think, you know, I'm pretty impactful. Um, whether it be holding on to a, a victory or, or trying to get a victory. Because, um, like I said about the confrontation of, of how I like to play, it's just making that right decision at the right time. And I 100% can get better at it. And, I know every single time I've gone into an England environment in the last three years, when it was pre-World Cup and under Lancaster's reign, I came away a better player every time because I learned from the coaches and I'm excited about that. So Eddie announced you in this squad um, just last week. How did he break the news to you? 
uh, Tommy Taylor told me <laughs> at the, the breakfast table. What? And I've, I've been with Tommy for like the last six years, so it was quite nice because there was about six of us and um, he must have the Sky Sports app on his phone. BT Sport app on, on his phone. He must have an app on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it came up, um, a message came through, oh, because it was a, a breaking news or whatever. So he didn't ring you? So the first time you heard was through a teammate because he heard on the No, internet. but I think obviously I've, I've not been in the squad, so I, th I think that's tradition. Okay. And you know, it's much nicer, a nice surprise. Have you spoken to Eddie? Yeah, I spoke to him after the um, squad was announced and he gave me some good clear markers of what he wants from me and how I can be the best version of myself in that squad. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited about the challenge, whether it's a big part, small part, whatever role it is. And like I say, I'm just going to try and take myself into that environment and every lesson I've learned over the last 10 years and hopefully you, you get a better version of me in that situation. What are those markers? What are those things he said to you? Uh, just, you know, bits, bits of my game he wants me to, to look at and how he wants me to come into the squad and conversations he wants me to have with him. Um, what were those things? That, that, those, right, no, I, those things are just on the, on the phone between us, you know, it's like, I don't want to say and then have headlines about whatever it was. It was, um, it was, it was definitely stuff that I took note of and I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for, for what's about to come. So this weekend, a huge semi-final for us and it certainly doesn't get any harder um, going away to, to Allianz Park against Saracens. How do you see that semi-final panning out? Yeah, it's going to be tough. We're playing against, you know, when it, let's, when it comes to playoff rugby, the best team in England. And it's about how we rise to intensity. Um, and it's how we execute and deliver on the day. You know, there's millions of little roles in a game of rugby and it's how you execute that one role at that time, whether it be clearing a ruck, passing the ball, making a decision, running a line. So if we come with the right intensity and we come with the Wasps style of play, then it'll be, you know, a very competitive game. How much better do you think Wasps have got to be come Saturday to beat Saracens? than we've been. Yeah. I think we've shown glimpses of what we need to do. I don't think we've strung it together for 80 minutes. Undoubtedly, in the 80 minutes on Saturday, Saracens will have a massive purple patch because it just swings in roundabouts in a game of rugby and it's how you combat that. So, you know, it's when we have to dig our heels into the ground and, you know, work for each other in that situation, that's, that's where the game for us will be, you know, a big step forward into going to win it um, because opportunities will be there and some will be missed. That's fine. It's how we keep coming and how we dig our heels in when, when Saracens get, get on top in those moments because they're very, very good at executing. Massive head-to-head -head for you this weekend on a personal level, um, up against Owen Farrell. What do you rate about Owen? How do you see him as a player? I think he's a very talented player, very... Um, gifted leader um, within the squad. I think he's obviously grown up in a, a good environment for that, you know, with his father and, you know, playing from a young age, being the 10, demanding, and he reads the game very well. So I think he's had great influences in that. And, and you know, his skill set is of a very high quality. He makes the right decision over and over um, and he goes to the line very well. So I think, you know, rugby's funny because it's a head-to-head, -head, but we both rely on what's in front of us and um, then it's down to us and how we execute and he's been doing that over and over again in big games and you know you got to respect that his his big game um, mentality because you know that's a, a serious quality. Danny it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Cheers mate. Good luck this weekend good luck in your move to Gloucester next season and all the very best of luck in South Africa. Thank you. What brilliant insight there from Danny Cipriani. I thought he was incredibly humble, open and honest. I hope you guys all really enjoyed that one. Well, don't forget to tune in to this weekend to BT Sport 1 from 12 noon as we bring you both semi-finals of Aviva Premiership Rugby. We'll see you then.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.